The Lifestylist, episode 156, featuring Eli Block. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast has been made possible in part by my friends over at Athletic Greens. I discovered this superfood blend a couple months ago, started taking it, fell in love with it, found it to be really convenient and useful and really good for the listeners because it's so all-encompassing. It's got vitamins, minerals, raw alkaline superfoods, herbs, antioxidants, plus enzymes and probiotics. So it's really a complete superfood blend. So that's why I like it. But in order to take an advertiser on the show, I need to find out a little more. I have to do a little deep digging and you should rest assured that I do this with all my advertisers. I got on the phone with their CEO. I asked him about testing for heavy metals, for mold, uh, herb irradiation, all this weird stuff that you probably don't know about that a lot of health supplements companies do that is not awesome. So this passed my test, passed the taste test, passed the power test and convenience test. And that's why I'm so happy to share with you Athletic Greens. So if you want to check this out, here's what's up. You want to go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Luke. You're going to find a landing page there. And when you purchase through that page, you're going to get 20 free travel packs valued at 99 bucks. Pretty awesome. So go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Luke. You guys know I always talk about the Organifi green juice, right? Because it's delicious and I eat it every damn day. But did you know that they also make a red juice? That's right. So they make a red juice powder packed with antioxidants and immune boosting herbs. It's got reishi and cordyceps mushrooms, which are actually really hard to make taste good. I don't know how they did this. It's also got a bunch of powerful adaptogenic herbs to support and balance your immune system. It not only tastes really good, but it's of course organic. It's also got 11 other superfoods. It's super quick and easy nutrition on the go. So imagine like getting a red juice that you'd get like a bottled juice without shit that can spill all over you. And it's really fast to make it. It's like one scoop, bada bing, bada boom, there you go. And it's like under $3 per juice, which is much more affordable than your average juice. So that's the Red Juice by Organifi. And you can check that out or over at Organifi.com. That's spelled with an I, Organifi.com forward slash Luke. Here's what's dope though. If you enter the audience code Lifestylist, you'll save a whopping 20% off your order. So go over to Organifi.com forward slash Luke, use the code Lifestylist and save 20% off any of their products, not the least of which being this delicious high-powered red juice. The sound currently invading your eardrums is the Lifestylist podcast. My name is Luke Story here to deliver another mind-bending, soul-expanding episode featuring today's guest, Eli Block. I'm going to forewarn you, today's show is adults only, mature audiences, okay? This is recorded live in Malibu, 
And uh, the topic is orgasmic meditation. Now, I don't find today's show to be terribly crude. In fact, I don't even think there's that much swearing, but it is definitely about raw, real sexuality. So if you have young ones nearby, now would be a time to put on the old earmuffs. That said, let's uh, do a quick plug for next Tuesday's episode, and that's going to be all about EMFs, how your cell phone and Wi-Fi are trying to kill you and how to stop it with Brian Hoyer. That is crucial information. And that one, my friends, you probably do want the kids to listen to, especially if they're sitting around with a damn iPad connected to their lap and a cell phone pressed on their head. Real dangerous stuff. Although I probably swear in that episode too. So what are you going to do? I don't know. Maybe you have to translate the information to the kids. You get where I'm going with this. I've got a couple upcoming events to speak of. You can always find my events, by the way, uh, at lukestory.com forward slash events. Go figure. That's where they're going to be. That's lukestory.com forward slash events. Some of them are free. Some of them cost you money. But for all of them, you've got an RSVP. First up, we've got Next Health in Century City, August 22nd. Osteo Strong in West LA, August 23rd. And then Mercado Sagrado in Malibu Canyon, October 14th and 15th. And finally, Whitma Live in New York City, October 25th. So again, go to lukestory.com forward slash events. Come hang out with me. One of the most fun things about doing these speaking gigs that I do on all sorts of different topics from spirituality to meditation to biohacking and everything in between is to get to meet the listeners in person, face to face. And in fact, at this uh, recording that I did that you're about to hear, uh, the whole audience was pretty much Lifestylist Podcast listeners because they listened to those announcements and they went to the events page on my site and RSVP'd and they got to come hang out with me and Eli and a bunch of other people. So it's really fun for me, able, for me to be able to meet you guys in person. So please roll out because man, it gets lonely behind this mic. I'm sitting here with me and my dog, Cookie. She can't even speak freaking English. She doesn't know what I'm saying here. She just sits there and looks cute and radiates unconditional love. You guys can come and actually speak and give the same, well, maybe not equal love to a dog, let's face it, but close, okay? Point being, come say hi. So here's what's up with this show. This is a unique bootleg broadcast episode, again, recorded live in a room full of Lifestylist podcast listeners and some of LA's other most fascinating and talented people, including Eli Block, who's a second time guest of the show and also a master stroker and lead orgasmic meditation, that's OM, instructor at One Taste. So not only is this a racy episode, but I just want to indicate to you that this is also recorded live. I don't have my usual controlled audio set up and my fancy microphones and stuff. So the sound is not going to be what you're used to, but it's not horrible. But I'm a stickler for good sound. So don't be pissed if it's not pristine like it is most of the time. So who's this Eli guy? Eli was born to a psychologist and a Zen Buddhist and has been a meditator since childhood. He's a former Apple employee and began studying orgasm in 2008 after years of intensive training. He's a deep lover of the feminine. He's passionate about realigning our understanding of gender, sexuality, and orgasm with nature. Eli works with clients on a private level, coaching men, women, and couples on topics such as desire, sex, orgasm, intimacy, attraction, purpose, and fulfillment. He also coaches one taste professional training and leadership track through all levels of orgasmic practice from novice to elite, both domestically and abroad. Here's what you're going to learn in this here talk with Eli. What exactly orgasmic meditation is and how you can practice it with your partner. I've done it myself on a few occasions. It's pretty badass. It's been a while and a little rusty, but um, I think in listening back to this, I might get re-inspired to give it a go again. 
why this process involves stroking the clitoris or clitoris, depending on your preference, with no intended goal. It's hard to imagine, right? How our culture has a hyper-masculine definition for a lot of things related to relationships, but we could all benefit from learning more feminine definitions. The skewed commerce of pleasure. What makes a hot makeout? And then (laughs) the funny story, which I can't believe I didn't edit out, when I accidentally sent my dear old dad some really nasty pornography in the mail for Christmas. Yeah, funny and tragic story, but I think it was worth leaving in because it's freaking hilarious, at least to me, because thank God it's a few years later. And then why there is no nutritional value to pornography, quotes and quotes, nutritional value, meaning it's, it's not very good for you, according to Eli. How your rigid sexual preferences can mean the undoing of your pleasure. The wildly different reasons different people have for sex. Why your sexual skill doesn't matter if a woman doesn't want to enjoy what you're doing. Then OM as a protocol for increasing sensitivity and bringing orgasm to the next level. And why you can OM however you want to with whomever you want to. That's why it's a practice. The benefits of practicing OM for men and women. Why an ohm session doesn't mean you're about to have sex, although it can make sex a lot better if you feel the electricity, and why sex is an energy debit and ohm is an energy credit. So as you can see, this is going to be a very tantalizing episode, but before we jump into this conversation, I'd like to make a special request, and that is if you could leave a rating and review for the show. In the world of podcasting, this is everything. This is what gives Hosts like myself, the power to keep booking amazing guests and keeping these hits coming. So if you could please click on your podcast app and leave a rating and review for this show, it would be immensely helpful. I love getting messages from the listeners. I get DMs all the time. People screen grab, people email to my website, and I love getting that feedback. But what's most meaningful and what's, well, maybe not most meaningful, but what really supports the show more than anything and what's easiest for you to do is just to leave a quick rating or review. So now I present to you this bootleg broadcast episode featuring Eli Block live in Malibu, California. So welcome to a live podcast recording. Eli Block, what's happening? What's happening? It's good to be here. Okay, so people listening at home to this later on, we are sitting in a room full of the most gorgeous, fascinating, talented people ever (laughs) at an undisclosed location in Malibu, California. We have to keep the location on the DL on the podcast. Uh, but I'm here with with my friend Eli Block, who was on. What were you on episode six or eight? Uh, it or was something early. In the beginning? It was early on. One of the early shows, and uh, on that show we talked about um, human sexuality and specifically orgasmic meditation. We did, of which Eli is a uh, professional teacher. And so it's been a long time since we did that, about two years. And I kind of want to go into that same topic, even though it's been on the show. I'm sure things have evolved for you. Uh, Dramatically. And, and we've done, I've done a couple of your workshops and things like that. Yeah. So I kind of just want to check up on the whole world of that and, uh, and just see where this goes. And we'll probably go for a little bit, uh, Q&A style. And then we'll open it up to some questions and uh, see how that goes. How's that? That sounds fantastic. You guys good? Yeah. Our live audience? Okay, awesome. So dude. Dude. I'm going to skip past all the, like, how did you get into this? You worked at the Apple store, blah, blah, blah. Oh, man. Yeah. We're going to skip the story, and great. I'm just going to say... I'm so tired of telling it. What? That's great. I know I've been doing a lot of podcasts lately as a guest, and I was like, so how did you get into this? I'm like, oh, uh, God. <laughs> not again. <laughs> um, so what's orgasmic meditation? Oh, my goodness. Well, we used to say it's a partnered practice, but then everybody asked if it had to do with a law firm. 
And so the answer is no, it's not a partnered practice, but it is a, uh, it is a practice that you do with another person. Okay, it's 15 minutes. You might call it a, a consciousness practice because it's more like meditation or yoga than it is like foreplay, where two people come together. Now you have to have two people do, doing this. You can't just have one. So that's sort of, you know, for those of, you, those of you guys who are like, I'm gonna go home and try this without someone at home, you can't. Fortunately, that's not an unfortunate, that's a fortunately, because you cannot take yourself out of control. And so it is, a, it is a practice you do with another person. It's 15 minutes, so it has a container, it has a set of parameters. That's time, space, certain things that happen, which allows the vigilance in the brain, that part of you that's always wondering, uh, am I safe to let go? Who here wants to feel safe before they let go of control? Anybody? Anybody? That's a, uh, you know, I say that in, my, in the intro class. There's always one person who doesn't raise their hand, and I say that's a different class. <laughs> but this is a class where, where um, we teach people how to disarm the parts of the brain that are constantly active, wondering what's coming next. And for women, this is an extremely important aspect of being able to enjoy themselves in the moment. Anyone ever get trapped in their heads in a sexual experience? That ever happened to anybody in this room, right? And guys, we can detect it, but we can't quite figure out like what's happening and we don't always know, is it a foot massage? Is it one more glass of wine? Like what's the thing that's actually gonna, like. I love that that's the solution. Right? Mine's a a Sade uh, playlist. What is it, right? Lock the doors, right? But as you guys know, there's there's an endless number of things that that part of your brain will throw up as obstacles to actually letting go and enjoying yourself, right? Has anyone ever experienced that where it's just like there's, there seems to be no end to the obstacle right so what we do is we teach this practice it's 15 minutes so as a container it has certain things what we call a container so parameters in which you would do it in the same way that like you go to yoga class or meditation or something and you know it's going to be an hour so you can totally let go inside of it you're not worried about do I have to conserve do I have to keep my eye on the clock like no you know that whoever the person is who's leading the class has got you for that 90 minutes and it's over when it's over, or they're not gonna go over. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it creates a set of parameters within which both people can let go of a certain degree of control. Now, what does that mean? What that means is that there are two things, you know, and this is gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you guys know ahead of time, I'm gonna make some generalizations while I speak. So forgive me, I apologize in advance. I'll be using a lot of man-woman language. We also do masculine, feminine. We're totally uh, gender neutral um, and uh, it tends to be, those and have to be, it tends to be that men are the strokers in the practice and women are the strokees, strokee, right? Not the receiver, not the giver. We'll get to that later. But the truth is the practice only has to do with uh, nerve count, which I'm getting to in a moment. So for 15 minutes, we create this container. One person puts their full attention on the other person's clitoris. And what they do for 15 minutes is they stroke it with no goal. So they're not trying to make something happen. Every guy in the room just went, what? Right? <laughs> Maybe right? that was just me. And, 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 I remember when I first heard you say that, I was like, but what, what, what? But what do you do? Yeah, yeah. But what do you do? That's not going anywhere? It's not going anywhere. Has anyone noticed that it tends to be that men's bodies, women's bodies, just generally speaking, vast generalizations, tend to work a little differently when it comes to orgasm? Does anyone? Yes. It's a show of hands. Okay, cool. We noticed that too. And, and you can look at a bunch of different possible explanations of why that is, right? And if you look at what big pharma is touting, if you look at um, 
uh, what our sort of hyper-medicalized, hyper-diagnosis-obsessed culture is doing with that is it's saying that women should frankly be climaxing more according to a very stringent set of parameters of what it means to have a climax. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? <laughs> All right. Ladies. <laughs> it's a live house tonight, folks. <laughs> a lot of so, shout-outs. I like it. Right? And so, and so basically, uh, says who? Right? Says who? My teacher, whom, her name is Nicole Daydon, uh, someone in a, in a talk once said to her, do you know any women who don't climax, traditionally climax, the way a guy's body would? And she says, yes, I also know women who don't have a scrotum. That's a little highbrow. But point being that, that our bodies work differently. It's not a problem. There's actually nothing wrong. We're, we're taught constantly that unless you have, like, if you read Cosmo, it's like, did you or didn't you? In this kind of binary sense. And what the movement that we're bringing to the world essentially is saying is that we have a hyper-masculine definition for a lot of things relationally, in relationships, in our culture. And we could use to actually learn how a feminine definition of these things could, could operate. Well, what does a feminine definition mean? It means that um, it's goalless, it's non-linear, um, it's meandering. It may not necessarily want to shoot directly from zero to a peak and then fall over the edge, have a sandwich, and go to bed. Picking up what I'm putting down? Yes. Right? And that, it has evolved. This is it cool. has evolved. I'm learning more. This right? is great. And so this, this practice, one person strokes the other person's clitoris. Obviously, you need a clitoris-having person to make this thing go, right? There's no ohm without a clitoris. There's no ohm is short for orgasmic meditation. And the beauty of this thing is it tends to be, again, in our culture, if we just talk about blue blanket and pink blanket conditioning, right? What we're told as small children we should be like and what we should do and aspire to, that if you're, uh, if you're a blue blanket person like us, you are permitted to have desire very much out in your life and feelings very much in, right? You're, you're, you're reinforced for high desire out, high sort of appetite for life and the world out and um, hold your feelings in. And it's the total reverse if you have uh, pink blanket conditioning. You're told it's cool to have big feelings, uh, but desire, keep that in or else you know what might happen, right? And so this practice has it be that we actually get to expose each other. Uh, if we're, again, talking about a binary, if we're talking about a man and a woman who are oming, that I, as a person who has an undeveloped set of feelings and an undeveloped sort of... Um, almost like set of sensitivity and perception in my own body. I get to sit there and for 15 minutes with no goal, so I have all the pressure taken off me, I get to actually reinflate my felt sense and really just feel what it feels like to be connected to a person for 15 minutes at a time, right? So I get my feelings worked out almost like an exercise, right? On the other side, you have a woman who's not reinforced for having desire. And then, you know, then you get all this, what do I want? All these manifestation classes. Like, all the reason that those things are for women is because manifestation, all that whole area of, like, courses and things you would see at coffee shops, all of that is to get you guys out into the world. To manifest to literally is to bring from something which doesn't yet exist in the material into the material. That's desire. I desire a hamburger. Bring it to me in the material. I'm going to eat it. Right? That's all it means. And so I'm working my feelings out and she's working her desire out and then we get a much different set of what's possible in relationship. Boom. 
Oh my God, I had like 50 questions, but I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> I'm learning as, as an interviewer to like shut up. It's very difficult. And anyone who listens to my show knows I have a hard time with this, but I'm like, I want to jump in at so many points. So, okay, first question is, how did Nicole come up with this thing in the first place? I think what she saw was a sexual culture that, uh, again, was very goal-driven. And if something is goal-driven, chances are it's using production-based rules. So it's using the same kind of rules that you would use if you're trying to strike a good business deal, right? Which is like, what's in it for me and when do I get mine? That's what you ask in business. If I'm giving you $50, how much gold are you giving me? Whatever, right? Commerce, right? You're getting a heavily commerce-based paradigm. And what she saw, I think you guys have noticed this, um, but women and women's bodies don't act, don't respond very well to having an agenda. Right? If you say, I am going to, for example, we'll just take a standard run-of-the-mill climax, right? I'm going to make this happen. Has anyone ever had the experience of someone trying to do something in your body your body did not want to do? <laughs> How did that go? Right? Did, 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 did that part of your body just run up and say, oh my God, I love being forced into this. This is fantastic. Just slap the cuffs on me and let's go. No, it runs the opposite direction. Right? The feminine, when faced with an agenda or pressure, in a, uh, maybe we should say, when faced with a situation where it won't simply be loved for what it's going to become in its own right, it runs the other direction. Right? Hence, that great Facebook meme quote, you should love someone in a way where they feel more free with you than without you. It's the exact same thing. How do you learn as a guy not to handle a woman, not just in a physical sense, but in a relational sense, in a way where she just gets to emerge and come out, and that's actually what I get out of it. So I think she saw that. She was a Zen Buddhist, she was becoming a Zen Buddhist nun, which is where the whole container thing came from. Because in meditation, you don't just say we're going to sit for however long we feel like it. It's going to be setting a timer and there's bells if you've ever done that whole thing, right? And then the, the other part of it is that um, there's a little Jewish mysticism, a little, there's a little sort of Kabbalist kind of thing wrapped into it. If you go deep enough in it, you can find all kinds of references. But So is this something that she, you know, I mean, you have to interview her. I mean, yeah. for some of the nuts and bolts, no pun intended. But... <laughs> You know, did she start doing this with a partner and then develop it as a practice? Like, how did the mechanics of the thing she actually had, become a thing? Totally. Well, she had an experience where, where someone stroked her before orgasmic meditation was ever created. There was sort of a more foreplay-like thing that, uh, that she tried out. And this foreplay-like thing, essentially, she was a woman, the way she describes it is like, her mind was just always going. There was no rest. She couldn't turn it off if she wanted to. And she had this experience with this guy who knew how to do this thing. And she didn't know why, but she followed him home after a party and was like, he was like, do you want to try this practice with me? And she found herself saying yes, which she would normally not do. She's like, strange guy, like, am I going to marry this dude? Like, how does my stomach look? Like, she, if you watch her TED Talk, she has all these thoughts that she kind of goes through in the experience. And the way she describes it is sitting there or lying down and like he shines a light. I mean, the, it's like, it's all kind of done in the, in the this, is, this is darker than the darkest ohm I've ever had, okay? So he starts stroking and she's like, yeah, 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 you know, I've done this before. 
But then something miraculous happened when she got on the spot on her clitoris and she said like, it was like the, the, the doors parted. All of a sudden she was on the open road where like there was no more thought. She was just inside of whatever it is that was being offered. And that fundamentally changed her life. She had tried getting it through yoga. She had tried getting it through juicing. She had tried getting it through regular sitting meditation. Like nothing got her to that space as a woman faster and more completely and, and more deeply than that experience. And so from there, she was like, wow, there's really something to this whole genitals thing as a woman. We should really investigate this more deeply. And then spent the next you know, few years doing some research and, and being the genius that she is, uh, took this sort of very basic genital stroking, couple kind of foreplay kind of thing, combined it with what she knew from meditation, right? Which is that we know that you know, to enter that realm, you can't have an agenda, you gotta just breathe. And then a couple other things. But that was basically how it happened. There's one thing that really piqued my interest when I first heard about this, and I, I might have learned a little bit about it and then interviewed you and then done some training and, and done a, a bit of uh, the practice myself. There's something that really hooked me as a guy, and I'm sure you know both sexes in the room can relate to this on different levels, but that sense of commerce, mm-hmm where it's transactional. And I think for me personally, I don't know where I picked this up or it's just part of culture or just what happens, but as, as some of us men are starting to uh, explore sexuality, you know, especially when you're a teenager and you're getting there as soon as you possibly can, like the Express whole train. point of it, the whole point of it is for you to get yours, you know? And it's almost like in the beginning, I'm sure there are exceptions here, but for me it was like, cool, I just have to go through all these motions and like make sure she's kind of happy and then she now owes me some shit and that was like the way that you're going to get what you want. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it's embarrassing to admit, but this is how it used to be. This show's about keeping it real, right? We can do that here, can't we? <laughs> I mean, I'm talking like teenager, high school sex. I mean, yeah, you like fooling around with them, but you're sort of like, okay, now do the thing. And so when I first heard about this, it was, I mean, I never, I mean, of course, hopefully I'd evolved past that at least, but I never even considered like, oh, wow, maybe there's another sort of practice where there is not only a no goal at, end, at the end of it for me, but there's no goal at the end for her either. Mm-hmm. Because even once you evolve past that as a guy, there's that pressure of like, am I doing it right? Does she like it? Mm-hmm. Is she going to want it again? And will this make her my girlfriend or whatever? Right. You know, so it's right. like, there's all this performance anxiety in addition to just the commerce thing. Cause so, could you go into a little bit of that like tit for tat commerce exchange where pleasure is sort of bartered and, for sure. and, and tossed back and forth? For sure. So one of the other things Nicole is brilliant at, uh, she was a, uh, a, a teacher in San Francisco State under a gentleman named Dean Barnland who is one of the fathers of American general semantics. And that is essentially the study of, of language and meaning, right? So one of the things that uh, we, we have culturally is a really terrible set of gender semantics. And we have a really terrible set of activity verbs and semantics. So specifically, who here likes making out? Anyone like making out? Anyone like a good solid make out? Right? Mm-mm-mm, right? <laughs> well, so let me ask you guys this. Can we take a couple participation? I'll, I'll do whatever you want, man. What makes a good makeout? 
I thought you were going to ask us, Nick. We just asked. No, could we I have a volunteer? I was like, I for Luke. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, but we are going to, we can do it, but we just have to repeat whatever's yes. being said just so the listeners we'll repeat that, are, that are hearing this later as a podcast we'll repeat you know, it. understand the context. I could just say most audiences say. But no, let's do it. I like makes the Okay, what makes a hot makeout, guys? Just like simply, this is not a trick question. Electricity. Electricity. You're damn right it does. Connection, it damn right it does. How do you know you're connected? Because you just merge. Because you just merge, right? Okay, so this is this is the language we have, right? We just merge, all right? And after we have a great, well, so first of all, we're having a makeout. Who, like it changes, doesn't it? It's not the same kiss the entire time. It's a different kiss yep. as you go, right? So who who dictates how that changes? It just changes, but I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not satisfied with that because either one of us is doing something to the other person, right? Letting so go. you're letting go, but to what? What are you letting go to? You guys are terrible teachers, man. This is terrible. <laughs> you guys have, you guys like making out, but you can't describe to me how it works. Okay, so, so I'm going to put something out in this room and you guys tell me if it sounds right to you. A good makeout is where both people are receiving. Can we agree? A good makeout is where both people are receiving. Interesting, yeah. Right? Luke also agrees. Yes, it takes me a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Five minutes, I'm like, oh yeah, of course. (laughs) So, so, well, and here's the interesting thing is is, um, there's this notion uh, if you look in Eastern thought and stuff, they, they have this thing called dualism, right? Dualism and non-dualism, right? Essentially, all it means is like, is it one or is it two, right? And, and so here, we're, we're going we're gonna to take a stroll through exactly your point, okay? Giving or receiving, which is it? So if we're making out, at no point afterwards would either of us ever say, now it's time for you to make out with me. <laughs> right? Okay. So interesting. So that's okay. We've, we've now, we've now if, we're, if we're doing a body scan of where our semantics start to break down, we're now at the lips. Okay. So at here, there's no reciprocation. I do for my own pleasure. You do for your own pleasure. That's what feels good to both of us. Right? It's like there's invisible sheet music that we can both just read out of the air. One moment, it wants light angel kisses. The next moment, it wants like the most like Satanesque devouring of each other's bodies, right? Like, right? Like there's, there's, a, there's a feeling to it at various moments. And the thing which makes a crappy makeout is when one or both people can't feel what's supposed to happen. Because there's always a spot. Right? This is one of the this is one of our principles like that guys can learn. Like for guys, we just like we're like, oh man, it's useless, it's hopeless, I can't get it right, whatever. No, there's always a spot. Always, always, always. If you have enough attention on what is actually happening, enough sensitivity, you will find there is always a spot. Whether you're trying to figure out dinner plans or whatever you're doing, there's always, always a spot. So there's always a right speed, a right tongue, a right gushiness, a right 
uh, pressure, there's a right spot no matter what. It's just resonance, like taking your finger and putting it around a wine glass, right? There's always something which will make it sing, right? So we're here. Now, as we start to go down the body, we start to cross into what's called dualism, which is that the further we go down, the more uh, this whole commerce thing comes into play, right? And if we look at, okay, what's contributing to that? Well, maybe if we just take it at a base level, maybe it's nerve count, okay? We're both contributing the same amount of nerve endings with our lips, roughly speaking. And then we get down to the clitoris and, you know, uh, cock and whatever else you guys play with around your bodies, right? Let's take just those for example. And all of a sudden, this whole thing starts to break down. All of a sudden, it's there's a certain concentration of nerve endings over here. And if I do something to those nerve endings, I am giving and I'm not getting anything. That's the way that our semantics work in our culture. Does everyone pretty much follow at this point, right? After someone would do something to someone else's concentration of nerve endings, it would be, when does my concentration of nerve endings get something, <laughs> right? Okay, so we're all clear on this so far. That sounds so boring. Right. When you put it that way. It is. It actually is, is, is phenomenally boring. So the commerce aspect of it is boring. Right. Right? So what starts to be possible is in this practice is that um, you get, and this is something which women have actually learned how to do because you guys on some level have been conditioned as the sexual service providers your whole lives. It tends to be that women are better at enjoying experiences that don't necessarily have to do with their own high nerve count. Okay, and we can, go, we can go into a whole bunch of other amazingly interesting things around that, but for the moment, your exact question I'm pretty sure was, what's this whole non-commerce thing about, Yeah. right? Which is that as a guy, I've only been taught my whole life that the only way that I get, the, the only thing which is in it for me, or the only way that I get mine, is with a very specific, very narrow set of criteria which has to do with this thing right here. And I can tell you from doing this practice almost every single day for nine years, at least twice, that's not true. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that's crazy. You guys, can I go a little further? Yeah. You guys good if, I, if we go a little further? Stop right there. Stop all, right there. All the way in, man. Okay, all the way in. So, if a guy is at home in the absence of a partner, okay, he does not have a partner around, but he has... Uh, a mansion, right? Plenty of cash, great computer TV, whatever. What's the first thing, just by the numbers, you think he would reach for besides his own genitals, right? He's got that, we got that, okay? It's BYOD, he's got that situation handled, right? <laughs> What's the next thing he's gonna reach for for some kind of sexual satisfaction? What's the aid? Porn. Porn, this isn't rocket science, right? Porn. Think. Uh, if you look it up, it's like something like 49 billion a year spent on porn, which is staggering. That's spent on porn. It's staggering because don't guys know you can get it for, for free? For free, <laughs> right. That's the point. It's not 1998. <laughs> right. You don't have to pay for that shit. Right. You're not dialing up, right, to, you know, Huey's porn warehouse. No. <laughs> Tapes? What? You know, it's like... It's oh, like, my God. You just reminded me of the funniest story. If I tell a really funny story, can you hold that thought for a sec? Do it. Okay, so back in the day before I discovered free internet porn... I used to buy porn DVDs in the mail, right? And they were fucking gnarly. I'm not gonna go into detail, but they were, they were hardcore. And they come in this fucking discreet box or whatever, right? And so, got my DVDs, whatever, did, did the thing. 
And then a couple years later, I send my dad a Christmas present. And my dad's, you know, he's no priest or rabbi, but he's, <laughs> he's married. He's an older gentleman now. You know, he's, he sowed his wild oats. My dad calls me one day. He said, Luke, I really need to talk to you. I said, what's up, Dad? He said, well, you know, this is, I don't know how exactly to say this, but I just want to let you know, uh, at this point in my life, um, I do not engage in pornography, and I would appreciate if you did not send me pornographic materials in the mail. I'm like, uh, what the fuck are you talking about? I had, I had used the empty box that the DVDs came in to send my dad a Christmas present, and the brochure of the super gnarly porn were, like, in there, and he thought I was sending that with intent. Uh, that's good. Real embarrassing. Not because it was like porn, because it was like gnarly ass porn. Oh, man. And I think his wife oh. may have seen it. <laughs> Fucking embarrassing. So I'm glad we moved on to the internet era. Oh, my God. And I digress. Thank you for allowing me to indulge, because that was fucking hilarious. That was worth it. Looking back. Right? Because how are you going to backpedal? What? I found that box at the dumpster. Like, what? You know, I was like, there's no, my address is on the fucking thing, you know? Right. So, word to the wise. So, so a guy is going to reach for porn. Yes. Right? To get, to get his needs met, right? If he, in the absence of a partner. Okay. So if we look at that, so what is porn? And there's a TV in here also kind of illustrates a little better. But so, so porn is a, is a moving image on a cold computer screen. There is no other human being behind that experience, even though it seeks to portray at least one or two or maybe many. Right? So it's interesting. So it sits, just we're just going to name a couple attributes about porn. So it sits across the, across the room from you or at a distance. There's no actual person, and it seeks to depict, if we're talking about just straight porn, it, streaks to, it seeks to depict usually uh, a woman in some sort of out-of-control erotic state of some kind, right? Pleasurably out of control, right? Porn consumers is something like 80-20 men to women at this point still, but that's, that's about what the, what the numbers are, right? Okay, so let's say he wants a little upgrade. Okay, so that same guy will go out and he will hit the strip club. Okay, these are just the ways that we go about getting this. So he hits the strip club. So he goes in the strip club. Also, uh, ostensibly, a woman in a turned on erotic state greets him in some way, shape, or form, uh, is also at a distance. I mean, obviously there's ones that are closer, but you know, it's at a distance. We sit there and like my, my dear favorite comedian, Joe Rogan likes to say, uh, sits there like he lost three vertebrae Right, looking at his buddies every now and then, kind of doing one of these, like, right? or or alone. Right, a lot of times it's it's guys going alone. So again, it's a woman across a room. And if you guys had to wager, how many how many strip clubs where uh, it's women dancing versus men dancing would you guys say there is, just ratio wise? Anyone have a number? You think it's that high? 90 at least, right? I think it's something like 90, 95 to 5, around that, right? Any ladies ever been to one of those clubs where the gentlemen are dancing? Okay, a couple of you guys. Do you all go alone? Never. No? What, how do you go? You go with a group, right? It's like again, it's like it's like a it's like a it's like a it's a party, right? It's like all of you in the same car. And I get the sense that it's like kind of a joke too, yeah. right? It's right? not like women it's are going like, oh, let's go look at. But it's but it's guys. interesting, right? So women are going, women are going to go see guys strip to be with turned on women. Okay, men are going to see women strip to be with turned on women. We're all going to this different strip club for the same reason. We're finding a way to get the nutrient that we want by going for the same thing, okay? 
Now, on the other side of that, you got guys who are, go to the, se- the next level, sex workers, right, of various kinds. So I think according to World Health Organization, it's something like eight out of nine are women in the world, right? So if you look at this trend, I pull a few things from it, right? One of them is that women are extremely good at getting feeling into other people's bodies, but are very crappy at getting feeling into their own bodies, okay? There is, there is an actual thing there. There's a there there. There's a biological imperative reason that this whole thing is stacked this way, okay? Now we go across the aisle, women. You get a woman at home, same house, same situation, not another partner around. What is she grabbed for by the numbers? What's the thing she's gonna grab for to try to get some satisfaction? Vibrator. Vibrator. Billions and billions of dollars. We use porn and vibrators more than we freaking cook in this country, (laughs) right? Just time spent on the mat, right? It's crazy, right? So, vibrator. Now a vibrator works the same way, right? You take a vibrator, just like porn, you just put it over here, you sit over here, turn it on, and enjoy it. Right, isn't that how vibrators work? Anybody, no? Oh, it was a ruse, it was a ruse, he was kidding, he was kidding. No, vibrators are direct, right? You take a vibrator and you do what with it? You put it on your clit, right? That's what I do with my vibrator. Right, is you put, you put it on your clit, right? So, so it, but if we look at this, right, we have men seeking, paying out the nose for an indirect experience. Men are seeking to be in the presence of a turned on woman. Women are seeking to be in the presence of turned on women just in the presence, we pay loads of money to be in the presence of, but there's no actual nutritional value to the ways we're trying to get it. Women don't give a shit about being in the presence of, right, well they do a little bit, but they're trying to get something right on the spot. Guys, we have an abundance of right on the spot. Sorry, what do you mean there's no nutritional value? There's no nutritional value in porn. So we're human, we have something called a limbic, we're human by the way, we have something called a limbic system in our brains. A third of our brains, okay, the triune brain model says that there's a third of our brains called the limbic system, which is as a mammal, the part of the brain responsible for feeling the internal states of other mammals, right? That's why you know if there's a happy puppy or a sad puppy, but no such thing as a happy lizard or a sad lizard, right? Lizard's just lizard, right? Because no limbic system. Right? There's nothing in there that says happy, sad, mad, or angry, or anything. It's just I'm either, I'm either um, uh, running away, or fighting, or eating, or having sex. That's, that's what lizards do, right? Does that make sense? So we have this whole part of our brains that's involved in feeling somebody else, right? This is why we say, and we have this men's course and men's intensives and all kinds of stuff, but one of the things that we talk about is like, guys don't realize, because we have such puny muscles in this way, that we wear almost like a a teleprompter above our heads of every single intention that we have, right? That if you have have an evolved, if you have a a grown sense of feeling state, you can sit with a dude and be like, okay, I got, I know this one, I know this one, I know this one. Which is, right, ladies, do I lie? Right, you already know, you know exactly what this person's, right? But but the, the funny thing is, that guys, we think we're getting one over. <laughs> totally. Right? And I was like, I'm shocked when you just said, I was like, wait, right. what, they know? <laughs> like, dude. They know everything. But, but perfected the, this poker face. But here's the funny thing. Think. 
the cognitive dissonance of saying, I'm, oh, hey, it's really nice to meet you, Luke, hey, or, or uh, Luquette, right? It's, it's, it's nice to meet you, it's a pleasure, right? Eli Block, you seem like a really nice lady, right? That's how it often happens, right? But you can feel under the radar, it's more like this. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> you all know that shit, ladies, really? Right? That's, that's how funny. it feels a lot of the time, does it not? Because that's, it's called the second conversation. It's called the second conversation, it's always running. The second conversation or the feminine conversation at any given moment, right? So, so anyways, that's the commerce thing. And that's why when I said that it's not all here, that before I knew that this was possible, I was a guy running around just trying to have sex. I was like, oh, sex, 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 sex. But the funny thing is, and it's like you notice that all the guys who were doing that seem to just want more and more and more and more and more. There's no filling that's happening from that. Right? Unless it's the right kind of sex, in which case you are going to get some filling. But if it's, if it's the consumptive kind, if it's the same kind that says buy more shoes, if it's the same kind that says eat more ice cream, if it's the same kind like all that consumption, right? I'm, I'm probably not actually getting any filling from it. Any hunger that's a real hunger can be satiated. If it can't be satiated, it's not a real hunger. It's called the hungry ghost. It's interesting, a guy uh, that I mentored the other day called me and he said, man, you know, and he, he, he doesn't have a lady in his life, right? And he's doing a little bit of dating, it's not going that well. And he said, man, you know, I'm just, I'm going crazy, I'm so horny. <clears throat> and the, the thought occurred to me, and I, and I said it to him just to check in if this was true. I said, what if you explore the idea that you're not actually horny physiologically, but you're just craving something? Like you crave a food when you're, there's a difference between like craving something and being hungry. I'm hungry, like I need to eat dinner versus like, oh my God, I gotta have ice cream, I gotta have pizza, it's craving. And he stopped for a second and he said, you know what? You're right, I'm 36, I'm actually not that horny, you know? <laughs> He's like, that's just what I call it when I get this feeling of wanting to escape out of oneself, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think at a, at a certain point, you know, I'm sure this, I can only speak for men being currently one, but then, <clears throat> There is like the physical need when you're younger, right? I say currently, I mean in this you, You've had other lifetimes, Luke. You can speak to that, brother. Go for it. I have, I'm sure. But there's the difference between, you know, an actual legitimate need where, you know, it's been a while and you just like wanting that drug of that dopamine and things like that. And I think at a, at a certain point in one's, at least for a guy, in one's development and maturity, don't you start to discern whether or not it's different? I mean, I've had that experience. Yeah. Where I think I want something. I'm like, no, actually not. I'm just... I'm trying to mask a feeling or I'm trying to run away from something. I want a distraction. I don't actually want to be intimate with someone sexually. Yeah. I have an unpopular answer to that question. I think one of the main ails that we, that we are, again, reinforced, and there's very few people who are, who are saying otherwise, is um, if you look at the main kind of uh, the narrative of our of sort of like modern affluent you know culture is like you can have it however you want it, right? Like just take this course, just do this thing, just hire this coach, just do this whatever, and it's like then you can be in total control and never worry about anything again, you know? And and that applied to certain aspects of our life might actually be a helpful thing, and that applied to other parts of our life is actually super detrimental. And what I mean by that is. 
in this particular context is that I think around sexuality, to a very large extent, your preferences will be your undoing. And what I mean by that is that we, we, I had an idea. When I graduated from, I was in you know, middle school and high school, and there was a certain kind of girl, right, budding woman that drove me nuts. Like, kind of sporty, kind of like played on the soccer team, hung out with these other kinds of guys that like to me was always sort of like the unachievable. In a certain way, I, I looked at having a woman like that as having meaning. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And that it would mean something about me if I, if I acquired her in some way. And, and that formed the basis of a, of a preference that I, I started to chase after in my dating and sex life, right? That became an archetype, something I was chasing. And there was nothing there. I would try, I would eventually start dating some women like this, and there was no, there was no magnetism. Now, on the other side, I remember walking through my high school and walking by this like goth girl with this like studded necklace and this buzz cut and like, you know, just like this like torn, like anti-flag, you know, wife beater, what's it called, you know, shirt, black jeans, torn boots, smelled, and my body lit up around this girl. And it matched absolutely no idea of what I should be attracted to or what would get me status or what would make me the kind of man that I thought I should be. There was literally no content present, but my body felt really alive around her, right? To me, that's desire. That's real desire. That's real hunger, right? And I've tried to feed the other one many, 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 many times. I've tried to get the person who looks right, sounds right, mom would like them, all these things. It never goes very well, right? At least not for long. And, and you know, Nicole, again, who's my teacher and, you know, uh, is a woman with a very large appetite for, um, you know, she would call them, you know, sort of like what, 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 the, what the culture would call dangerous men, right? Because there's electricity. She's, she has a great blog she wrote a long time ago about like essentially this woman who she meets over and over and over again who comes into her office and says, I want what you have, right? But is trying to do it via brown rice and yoga, right? And, and Nicole says, she says, I tell this story um, about a monk who uh, goes into the cave seeking enlightenment. This is a long time ago in India. And sits for seven years. The Buddha never appears, no enlightenment. The monk is pissed. Leaves the cave, walks through town with you know, a purpose, and, and misses as like a kid falls on his bike right, right next to him, right? And like breaks his arm and screaming on the, on the road. The monk doesn't care, he's pissed, he keeps walking. Monk goes back to the cave, seven more years of asceticism and meditation. No Buddha gets up, leaves the cage, the, the cave, walks back through the town. And then there's, um, you know, uh, there's a, a, an old woman trying to cross the street who he shoves aside, you know, and, and keeps on walking, you know, no Buddha. Back to the cave, seven more years of meditation, right? Seven more years, comes out is walking through the town and happens to glance to the right and sees a dog that's been hit 
by a carriage on the side of the road and is dying and goes to try, his, all of a sudden his compassionate heart is awakened and goes over to see the dog and goes over to the dog and the dog has maggots eating the dog. And he has even compassion for the maggots and doesn't want to harm them, so pulls them out of the dog's body with his lips. And then the Buddha appears, right? And the monk goes, you, like, where have you been? You know, like, I've been waiting for you for so long, and you show up now, you know? And the Buddha says, no, no, he says, I've been here all along. You just haven't had the compassion to see me, right? And she tells the story about this woman who suffers in the bedroom for seven years and then goes and diets and works out and does all the things to be a good person, doesn't work, goes back to the bedroom, suffers another seven years, right? Comes out and her narrative is basically, turns the corner at the liquor store near her, her where, where she lives, and there, they, and there it is, dressed in dangerous and bad, standing out front, the ones she would never talk to, but who she feels every time she walks by. Right, and this is the thing that she says is like, there's this part of, there's just a part of being a woman, there's a part of having a feminine that's like, it responds to what it responds to. And, and if you're looking for where the thing is, um, it's been there the whole time, you just didn't have the lack of preferences to see it. That's the basis yeah. of getting those like attachment base that has no ending right, versus actually doing the thing your body is calling for. But this is interesting because on the, on the other side of that, like following that chemistry can oftentimes put someone in intimacy with someone who's not necessarily like a good life match. Oh, no such, doubt. It's such a, you know, it's such a weird... Well, it depends on your goals, Luke. Right, well, if your goals are just it depend, it, depend, sex, it depends yeah. on your goal. Well, but here's the thing, right? It's like, and this is a place where, where as a guy, I get super tripped up is, is um, one of the biggest things that I have, one of the biggest wake-ups for me as a guy is that I have sex for very different reasons than women do, right? There was an awesome TV show that I saw a while ago that was like, um, these women, I don't know if it was comedy or if it was just real, you know, like, I, like with Cardi B, you guys know Cardi? I don't know if that's comedy sometimes or she's just being real. I love her, love, love, love her. But anyway, so there's this TV show, right? And there's this woman and, they're, and they're, it's, like, it's like the B-roll takes after the credits run. And she's talking about breaking up with her boyfriend. And she goes, yeah, I just broke up with him so we could have some context for some sex that night. <laughs> like dead at the camera and like judge it if you want to, but that's real. And like, I've actually grown to like deeply, deeply appreciate how many different sides of the die there are to actually playing with a woman full out on her terms, right? Which is something I never, ever used to, you know, do. And that's, and that's my wife sitting right there. And I will tell you, she gives me a run for my money every single day, and I'm grateful. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. I'd like to remind you to get over to lukestory.com forward slash store. That's where you're going to find a collection of links to every single product that I recommend to keep yourself young and healthy. So whether it be a supplement to help you sleep, whether it's some biohacking technology, blue blocking glasses, blue blocking light, 
every single herb you could ever want to know about under the sun. It's all at lukestory.com forward slash store. I've gotten so many requests over the past couple of years for my top picks. I just decided to put them all in one place. So at lukestory.com forward slash store, you will find links and in many cases, really sweet discount codes on every single product that I've ever tried and still believe in or even products that I'm still using to this day. So get over to lukestory.com forward slash store, do your shopping there. You're going to save yourself a lot of hours of arduous research. I've done the work for you. I've vetted every single thing on the site and I believe it is the best of the best, the cream of the crop. So get over there and check it out. It's a great way to save yourself some time and money and also a great way to support the podcast. That's lukestory.com forward slash store. And now back to the interview. I want to get into, because this is fascinating stuff, and I keep having all of these little firework tangents that I'm like, oh, we could go there and we could go there. But I really want people that are sitting here tonight and people listening to get a little more of an understanding of the actual Ohm situation. So having been someone that learned a little bit about it, interviewed you, went to some of the training, practiced it with a couple partners. Um, I understand that you're doing things a little bit differently now, but just so you guys understand. So I go into a class. The practice is explained to me, the mechanic, you know, the framework has been discussed, right? No commerce, finite period of time, uh, creating a safety net of comfort. There's no expectations. It's not going to lead to a blowjob. There's no like, there's no, nothing. It's not allowed to. There's nothing happening except just someone touching a clit very gently in a very specific place for a finite period of time. Yeah. That's explaining the context for it. Cool, I'm on board. This is a little weird. And then uh, Maya, I think, was in my first class. Proceeds to get on a table, pull down her pants, and uh, there's a demonstration. That's right. You know, and there's 30 people in the room. That's I'm like, right. Okay, this is getting interesting. I'm in. Change, Worth the change, money already. Change your life. And then it's like, cool. And I, you know, I don't remember the process, but then at a certain point, they were like, cool. So grab your partner now. And there were some exercises involved, as I recall, in getting a partner. We're in like an art loft, kind of in downtown LA. <laughs> I end up with you the know good old, the good old a days. kind of elderly woman that I, you know, it's not someone that I would have asked on a date per se or tried to pursue. <laughs> sexual experience with that's my partner I respect the process I'm open and you, and know, you touched God man it was great and we, you, know, we make, you, you make your little nest little yoga setup situation and I, uh, I follow the orders and I think what I got out of it was a that there can be touch between two people that involves uh, sex organs that isn't necessarily an act of sexuality and that's this is just my perception mm-hmm. so I want to see oh, you that's take brilliant. it because I'm not like, I'm not into this person. I'm not trying to have sex with them. I'm not getting her number like, hey, this is cool, but what about later? Right. I mean, there's literally like, I'm not into it at all. I don't know, you know, she was or not. Um, yeah. Hopefully she was. Um, but we talked, she loved it. But then there yeah. was this, then there was this other thing that was like, wow, I'm really getting to feel into what it, what it feels like to be in that feminine energy where you know, and she had she had experience with the oming, right? She was this was not her first rodeo, so she was like, "Yeah, here's you do, you do," <laughs> and then she just like sunk into the whole thing. And I'm the fucking nervous Nelly all of a sudden when I'm I'm Mr. Free Spirited. Like I've been banging since '86. Uh, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I really feel quite confident in everything I'm doing. I'm very comfortable. I'm not shy. Like. And I was like, ah. And then so I'm, I'm like allowing her to be there. But then you're getting feedback, you know, which is strange because as a guy, that's like an ego 
boundary there, sort of like, dude, don't like tell me what is working and what's not, because if it's not, then that hurts my ego, you know? But there was this feedback, a little faster, a little slower, more yeah. pressure, less pressure, and very subtle feedback, and, and you're going like, as the stroker, like, uh, I'm not doing anything different than I was a second ago, but I am. It's very, very subtle, yeah. and it was such a neat experience on so many levels, but from that, just going like, oh yeah, their bodies are different. There's a whole other thing going on. Like, I've never been in touch with that level of discernment or sensitivity with my own body. It's kind of like, eh, just do the things, whatever. You know, it's pretty much the same shit. Right. And she's going like, whoa, giving me direct feedback and letting me know how safe she feels. And I think that was maybe the first time and maybe just because I hadn't had a lot of intimacy in my life, although I thought I had at that point, where, like, I was getting an understanding of how safe she felt. Yeah. You know, it was like... She was opening up to the degree that I was able to hold that space. Yep. And her fluidity of energy was as open as I was safe and in tune. And the moment I checked out, you could almost feel her energy shut down. There was like this absolute presence necessary to create that space. Yeah. And I don't know if there's a question in there, but it's just like, it's, it's, I want you guys to get an understanding or kind of like a picture of what the experience is like having not done it. Yeah. Well, so, uh, thank you for that. It's, um, and then, the, I, you know, there's more that came after that, but that was just the one training and then the, the kind of experience that I had. And it was just like, whoa, this isn't even sex. This is a whole other thing. Hence, orgasmic meditation. It's not just like some funny little way to get around touching genitals and shit. It's like a way deeper thing. And if it were, that would be okay too, right? I'm not mad at that either. Right. But, um, <laughs> but I think, uh, so first of all, I love how you talk about the practice. I just want to say thank you because you speak about it really beautifully. Cool. Thanks. I mean, that's what it was like. And I think one of the things that that uh, I always felt like I was on the hook for, and so we don't do the lab anymore in the class. We've, we've you know, <laughs> right? I mean, I can kind of see why, though, honestly. You know? <laughs> the, show was pretty, the show was pretty crazy. I yeah. mean, there's like 30 couples in a room at the same time, but it's, you know... But it's not an orgy. Like, no one's doing anything else. They just, after 15 minutes, it like, feels like It feels like a yoga class. It feels more like a meditation thing. It, like, seriously. It does. People are so expecting some kind of, like, squirty affair. But, <laughs> but, it's, but it's not. It's actually very, like, so this is, right, this is, and this is part of it, is, like, we live in a culture which is hyper, hyper masculine around this stuff. Uh, people think a nailed woman looks like, oh, my God. No, a nailed woman looks like this. Like, don't move. I'm not going to move a fucking quarter of an inch because you're so on the spot right now. And there is, like, this thin line of electricity I can feel running through my entire body that would not change for anything. You cannot pay me to move from this moment, right? I think one of the, one of the greatest things that you, you touched on a little bit there is um, I have a koan. So I grew up in, in Zen Buddhism. My parents met at a Zen Buddhist monastery in the 70s in California. Okay, so that's my background. My dad was a, a, a up-and-coming priest in this, you know, lineage. And you guys ever heard of Tastahara or Green Gulch? Um, that's my family. That's, that, was my, that was my club med as a kid was go and chop vegetables for a summer, you know. So here's my koan, right? So Om is a partnered practice. You guys know what a koan is? It's like if there's one hand, if one hand, what's the sound of one hand clapping? Or if a tree falls in the forest, there's no one there to hear it, doesn't make a sound, right? It's an it's a it's a answerless question designed to burn out your brain. So here's my Om Koan. Om is a partnered practice, but you don't surrender to your partner. This is a 
Orgasmic meditation is a partnered practice, but you do not surrender to your partner. Same as the making out question. What are you receiving? And who does it belong to? And who's saying what direction it goes? Right? So one of the things that, again, our culture kind of teaches is that as the guy, this is part of the whole trip, right? Is that I should be all-knowing and all-powerful. And I should be able to provide a woman a certain amount of safety around her sexuality. Guess what? That is a recipe for total and utter disaster, right? What we are trying to build with the trainings and the, and the courses and, the, and the, what we're doing, we want to build a culture where that kind of safety does not come from anywhere other than inside of her. There is no way that I can make it. I do demonstrations like Luke said, right? Where a woman is literally like a massage table. A woman lays down on the table and I stroke her, right? For like seven minutes and, and the people experience it in the room. Now, the funny thing about that experience is that I can be a nine-year veteran, master stroker, grand wizard, triple black belt, who's he, what's it, whatever the hell you want to call it. It doesn't matter, right? I, my skill does not matter if she does not want to enjoy what I'm doing. So the second the woman goes, nah, I look like an idiot. The second she goes, yeah, this is good. I look like a genius. It's not me. I'm at best creating, I'm a, I'm a, listen, I'm a skilled stroker. I do know what I'm doing to the extent that I can. But my gift is that I've, I've created, what's possible for one person is possible for anybody. So I just simply have put the time in to create a certain amount of sensitivity in this particular way. There's nothing special about me whatsoever, right? So I get up there and I stroke the certain way on her clitoris and I just sort of feel my way through it. And to the extent to which she goes, this feels good, again, everything lights up, I look like I'm awesome. To the extent to which she says no, bad stroke, bad stroke, bad stroke. And women, you guys know there's a, there's a time when when you are turned off, he can do no right. <laughs> right? If you are turned off, he can do no right. He could be the greatest. He could bring the thing you've wanted for 20 years. If you're turned off, it doesn't matter. You're an idiot. Plain and simple, right? Guys know this one. You can do no right. But if you're turned on, he can do no wrong. So what we're creating is, this is a protocol. The, the chief strategist for CrossFit, Brian Mulvaney, saw Nicole speaking and saw us speaking, I think in New York maybe it was, or in LA or something. And he was like, wow, what? because CrossFit has science behind what they do. He's like, what you guys are doing, this is a protocol that actually increases sensitivity and, and like actually brings human beings to the next level. He's like, we gotta talk about this. And he became our chief strategist for a year and a half on payroll for that reason, because he recognized it, right? And so what this does is it has women take their, the locus, the sort of, you know, center of their safety in the world, and instead of having it be in this guy's body, and this guy's body, and this guy's body, it comes back in her body. So that there's no, there's no stroke that I can do, there's no condition that, that can be presented to you that, for, that ever again changes whether or not you're enjoying life. Right? Unconditional freedom is freedom in all conditions. That's what we're going for in any practice. Meditation, yoga, no matter what it is, that you're in your pose, and no matter what errant thought comes along, you do not break your pose. 
It does not matter what the conditions are. There could be a loud ass jackhammer outside and you're in your pose no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. This is the same principle. And when you fall out, you get back in. That's what makes you a yogi, right? And it's the exact same principle applied to pleasure and enjoyment in your personal experience of power in your sex life. You get the same muscle, but in this area, will change your life. For guys, anytime a woman offers you an adjustment, it's an indication that they appreciate you. Women do not invest energy in men they do not appreciate. And telling the truth is a high risk, high reward proposition. Because you have no idea if it's gonna get stuck in that ego trap, like Luke was saying. Yeah, because a guy that's not prepared for that sort of feedback, that is very ego identified, can then shut down because it'll put him in his head and you start spinning out. Well, it's because he believes that whatever's happening is about him. And, and the truth is, it's about us, right? And if you have one person who's got 8,000 nerve endings at their command, and one person who has the most dexterous part in the human body, the index finger, you put those two things together, listen to the person with the nerve endings. <laughs> <laughs> right? That person knows what they're talking about. So you think, oh, I'm doing it right, I'm on the spot, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, can I have a little bit to the left? And you're like, what do you know? Like, <laughs> you're a moron. Like, move a little bit to the left. And I've had this experience <laughs> where I'm like, I'm like, no, no, this feels really good. Why would I change? And she goes, can I have a little bit to the left? And I move a little bit to the left, and it's like, <laughs> like I had no idea that was there. That's for most guys, that's what happens when the feminine, the woman, whatever, opens a new spot that you did not that was not in your idea of what the best goal to achieve could have been that you could have conceived of, is you go, oh my God, I didn't know that was there. And that goes for hurt feelings, that goes for spots on a clitoris, that goes for her desires, like whatever they are, oh my God, I have this experience on a daily basis, I did not know that was there. Thank God I have some humor and curiosity so that I can find out. Well, that brings up another part of it that's interesting is the goallessness of it, and that really correlates to meditation. It's like, you don't meditate because something's going to happen at the end. You just, for me, when I meditate, I mean, I did it out here when I arrived on the porch. It was lovely. But I wasn't like, yeah, okay, so in 20 minutes, this, whatever's going to happen. The spiritual, just, the spiritual isn't like that. Yeah, so I, that's an interesting part of it. So also... Since there's no goal and we're not like defining, we're saying orgasmic meditation, but there is no goal of the female partner having an orgasm. A climax. A climax, yeah. okay. So like a finite thing. Oh, right. I came. Did Crush you come? These. Yeah, I came, right. right? There's a thing that happens. This is sort of like one long version of coming. It's, conti right? it's continuous. I mean, that's sort of the truth is like, it's, it's, I wouldn't even call it necessarily like, if you're thinking it's gonna be the exact same thing as like a climax that lasts forever, like that's not what it is. When we say orgasm, what we mean, if you define them, right? So climax, big ass scroll, defined by seven to nine contractions, you know, uh, ejaculate, right? There's all these different things which like, if you don't have these things, you have not had a climax, right? Orgasm is, did you feel something that you did not control? Hmm, that's good. That's our definition of orgasm, right? Did, did you feel something that you didn't intend to feel? Are you alive, right? And, and a lot of people come in this practice numb. Either it's guys who are kind of numb to their feelings, women who are kind of numb to their bodies. You will get relief. 
Is it okay if I tell them? So Maya came in this practice super sex literate, super sex positive, comes from a, prof- art- a professional artist household in New York and Brooklyn, like was just like all about it, had you know two boyfriends at a time in high school, was like, you know, killing it, right? Comes into Ohm, lies down, she's like, oh, this is gonna be easy. Lies down for her first Ohm, doesn't feel anything, nothing. Didn't realize that was gonna be the case goes on a journey to like recover sensation and ends up getting an entire lifestyle and occupation as a result of it. What's possible for one woman is possible for any woman. That's the other thing I want to touch on here is the lifestyle because there's, I'm sensing, and other than a couple of trainings, I haven't gotten that involved with like the whole one taste thing and um. Yeah, don't. Uh, <laughs> but like the couple times that I did it, like the one time with that woman, she was like, oh, hey, do you want to like ohm some other time kind of, you know? Yeah. I was like, you mean like not in here with a bunch of people? And she's like, yeah, we just, you know, you come over and like do a thing. And I was like, is she trying to smash? You know, like I didn't quite get what was happening there. And then as I processed it, I'm like, no, I think she really just wants to do this same thing. Yeah. Again, and then just hang out and have tea or whatever. Like, it's not, again, no goal. There's no, like, this isn't a thing to get to the thing. This is the thing. Right. And so how does it work? Like for me right now, it's just so funny to be having this conversation because yeah. I don't know if I mentioned to you, but I'm like I'm like ten months celibate. Oh uh, at the yeah, moment. yeah, like no porn, no sex, yeah. no funny business at all. Just I'm on a journey. Wait, did you hear that challenge accepted? In the yeah, room? no, no, no. I mean, it's just it's part of you know it's part of the story. But right now, like I don't think I would like own with a partner because that is just too much sex for where I am in this part sure. of the journey. But let's say I was in a relationship right now. Sure. We had agreed that we wanted to be exclusive sexually. Yeah. I get the sense that within sort of the oming circles that it wouldn't be like a case of cheating or breaking exclusivity to go home with someone because it doesn't turn into sex. It's not actually an act of sex. Right. So we'll you guys follow me? It's, it's nuanced. I mean, it's very complex. It's not, it's not, it's not it. foreplay. You'll literally ruin your practice if you, if you, if you treat this like foreplay. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to clear it up. Well, let's get some questions out here in a minute. But so, so, so this is okay because let's come to to you first. And I want to also add this to it. In my experience with two different partners that were my girlfriend, we were exclusive. I said, "Hey, I learned this pretty cool thing. I think you might enjoy." Explain it to them. They're like, "Whatever. Okay, yeah, try it." And both of them had a universal experience when I was done. I was like, "Cool, put your pants on." And they're like, "Uh, what? Don't I have to do something now?" Like, oh, don't I owe you? I was like, oh, isn't that interesting? That was really fucking profound. And both of them were super into the idea that it was just a gift and there was no, you know, commerce or involved. Fuck that, you were doing it for your own pleasure. It, it, felt, it was like, amazing. We do it because it feels good to and us. And it opened up all kinds of other things. Remember but porn I, and vibrators. Never forget, porn and vibrators. But had I said to either one of them, like, so you were cool with that and we're just going to put our clothes on and make breakfast or whatever, how about I go do that with some other women I know that like it also? Right. That wouldn't fly, you know what I mean? That wouldn't fly, so. Well, well so here's the thing, right? So this is, this is a, there's a lot of interesting points in this. One is that I think in our, in our dating culture, in our general culture, we do a really crappy job of reading each other our fine print, right? So, so how many relationships have you gotten into where you were like, damn, if I had said this like six months ago, because this is actually who I am, not who I sold you that I was, <laughs> yeah. right? Like this would be going a lot easier. I wouldn't have to feel like I'm dropping a, a what do they call it? Um, no, the uh, balloon mortgage on you, right? Balloon mortgage, you get paid up, for, or you get the house up front that you pay six months later. 
<laughs> right? So that's, that's you know, um, it's a whole other thing. But we don't read the fine print. And, and on some level, let's say that you take this thing at face value. Uh, you don't have to own any particular way. You own with whoever you want to own with on your terms, whatever it is. We have zero philosophy about who you should own with, how you should do it. One person clitoris, one person finger, go have fun, right? So whether you do it monogamously, if you consider it to be part of that aspect of your relationship, which the vast majority of couples do, right? And you will never get pressure from anybody in the organization not to because it's not true that you have to own with a lot of people to get the benefits. It's bullshit, okay? So you can own however you want to with whoever you want to. That's the first thing I want to say. Is like the most important thing about this practice is that you can have it how you want it. There would be no practice if that was not true, okay? The second thing is that when I started this practice, I was a single guy. Like I said, I was looking for connection, didn't know how to get it. The thing I didn't realize, if you've studied Maslow's hierarchy of needs, is that human connection is a pretty important thing. In fact, if we don't have human connection, it's very difficult for us to do anything else until we get it, right? So if you have a whole lot of changes you wanna make in your life, we actually have a phrase called love fat, right? You have to have a certain amount of like human connective nutritional on you, in your stomach, in your body, if you actually wanna make a change. You can think of it like, you know, for most people, we live in like this cave of intimacy, right? Where unless we have a partner, we're starving, okay? So we're in this cave, we have like just enough food to like get us by every day a little bit, but we're pretty skinny, right? And if we wanna make a change, if we wanna, if we wanna actually um, say quit our job or do something new or start something new or whatever it is, it's like there's a cave way over there that we can go to, which, you know, which has you know, a whole bunch more food, but we won't be able to survive trying to make the distance. Human connection is what gets us through the distances of those things. Does that make sense, right? And so for me, I was like, I was this guy and I was like living in a desert and it was like, if I could just find an oasis here and there, it was like crawling, crawling, crawling and then like I would find a partner or a woman who was into me a little bit who I could somehow convince that I was someone who knew really what was going on in the world and like, just like gorge, like cookie monster for a little while, get sick, break up, and then do it all over again, <laughs> right? And you guys know if anyone here has ever shopped while hungry, right? Terrible idea, terrible idea. Especially we make, at Erwan. Oh my God, even worse, <laughs> right? We make the worst decisions. We make terrible decisions from hunger, right? Terrible decisions from hunger. And so, and so what this practice afforded me and what I watch it afford all these people is like, oh my God, I can actually fill up on this nutrient of connection and I don't have to make any promises anywhere because I don't intend on keeping them. I'm hungry, right? We've, I mean, I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but like everyone's, you guys all know what I'm talking about, right? And we wanna get fed we, and we all want this thing. We just don't want it the way it's been served to us. We just don't want it the way that's been on the menu culturally. This is disruptive. This, this is as disruptive to like taxis as Uber was. This is as disruptive to like what we consider to be the modern narrative of sexual interaction and human interaction. It's as disruptive. That's We know exactly what we're bringing to the world. That is the point of this. You know, in a weird way, it's almost, it's almost more intimate in a sense than casual sex. Because, if you're not a feeler. Yeah, because 
Like you actually, in order to do this practice, you really have to be engaged and present and paying attention. And For it, sure. And it has to be inherently a selfless experience. Whereas you can have two, you know, temporarily unconscious people come together to meet their own needs, but they're both in it for themselves and don't necessarily have to give anything in order to both derive pleasure from it. You see what I'm saying? I do, and at the same time, what I would say is, as a stroker, I'm not interested in whether or not you're having a good time. That's not my first priority. This may sound strange. I'm doing this because I like it. I'm doing this because the thing about, remember the porn and vibrators, right? There's something you guys emanate when you're turned on. There's a reason y'all go to the strip club together, right? It's not about the dude. The dude's the last thing happening in that whole establishment. It's about you guys feeding off each other's energy, right? It's, it's like there is something that women emanate biologically that like we will travel hundreds of miles to find and, and be with, right? Like this is just a biological thing, right? There are millions and millions of courses out there, how to get women, how to talk to women, how to all these things. There are no courses on how to get more dick. <laughs> Has anyone noticed? <laughs> there's any entrepreneurs in the room? Right, there's, it does not exist. New online course idea. Right. Matthew, let's talk. Right, right, because it's not the way the shit is stacked. So we might as well get right with that and actually use it and actually learn how to, um, learn how it operates by putting our attention on it and getting over our resentments about it. That's, to me, the, the, one of the deepest things has been like, how do I just get right with the fact that there's this thing that's in my wife's body that I will actually uh, like get down on my knees and learn how it operates. I have to learn how it operates if I want access to it. Right? That's my bottom. We talk about hitting bottoms, right, in the various other realms of life. That's a man's bottom. It's not in your body, dude. You don't get to dictate the terms. She's holding the trump card. Learn how it works, right? For her, the bottom is you can't get it by yourself alone. You cannot surrender to yourself. You gotta have some other clumsy fool with you trying to figure out how this thing works and get good at directing somebody and actually educating how your body works, right? Those are, our, those are our respective bottoms that we hold. We can be as resentful as we want to with that. We can buy as many vibrators as we want to. We can watch as much porn as we want to. It's not gonna change the fact that we have what each other needs and we would, we would do well, in my opinion, to get on an exercise regimen to get that thing moving. Dude, I just, it finally just hit me and then we're gonna take questions. What's happening is there's a consciousness field of surrender deeply taking place and being cultivated deeply. for that period of time. Deeply. And surrender deeply. is the sweetest of all human experiences based on my own subjective experience. Sing it, brother. And there's nothing that I have been told I should surrender to less than a woman's genitals. That is the thing I am told I should have the most provenance over. That is the thing which masters me every single day I do this practice. I have to get down and I, have to, I, I, I put my finger on the clip and I go, okay, what do you want me to know today? This is amazing. Who has a question? She held up. I don't know if she had to pee or she had to bounce, but I was like really curious what her question was. She had to pee. Was. She'll be back. <clears throat> Maybe she got excited. Nah, she, wants, she wants her questions answered, I would guess. Clitoral talk. Uh, does anyone else have a question? We have, you know, we're about in an hour now and I, you know, I don't be respectful of y'all's time. You've committed a, a, a big evening here, but I'd love to hear some feedback or questions if you have any. There's been a lot of reception in this room, so thank you guys for that. 
Matthew? Lay out the benefits. I mean, we're, we're getting a feel for it. Yeah. You said, you said at one point, you know, uh, oh, people say you have to you have to own with a lot of people. people yeah, 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 true. yeah. What are the benefits? Yeah. Okay. So, and when you answer, just do our listeners at home a favor. Yeah. So the question, the question is, what are the benefits of the practice? Well, increased sensitivity. I mean, it depends on on uh, which aspect you're coming to it from, and it depends probably on what your orientation is. So, we'll talk about a couple of them. But for women um, across the board, more access to desire, more feeling of um, just like overall life satisfaction, more empathy more um, sensitivity, um, but smoother, like without sort of like the jagged, uh, sort of like the jaggedness that women usually feel around like all that unused sexual energy in their bodies, right? It's actually a smoothness. Maya, anything I'm missing? Those are the main ones. Happier, healthier, smarter. Happier, healthier, smarter. Actually, there's um, IRB approved uh, research that was just done in the last uh, year and a half or so on the practice. So you can, if you follow it, you'll, you'll see that come out pretty soon. But for strokers, for guys, I would say um, women are not a mystery anymore. When something's happening, it's math. It's like, where did I miss a spot? Where did something happen? It's th- there, there's nothing that feels like it's random anymore. There's a level of mastery that, like, if I understand how her genitals work, I can understand how the rest of her works, right? And so there's a there's a higher degree of sen- higher degree of sensitivity. My attention is about a, ten times more expanded than it was when I started this nine years ago. Meaning, like, um, we're connected enough that, like, I walk in the kitchen, I literally I can tell you what she wants from the fridge, like on a pretty regular basis if I get the hit. Um, the fig story, right? So Maya does a lot of the marketing and takes a lot of the pictures. And if you see things coming out like videos on our YouTube site, a lot of that is her doing. A while ago, she was uh, she was on our, we have a retreat property in Northern California, like 160 acres, it's all built out, it's amazing. But she was spending some time there managing it. And uh, I was going to visit her. I was at Trader Joe's. And you guys know, the produce at Trader Joe's is not always the best. Right, it's not the number one place you would go, but I wanted chocolate, and so that's where you get the chocolate stuff. So I got the the, the chocolate-covered raspberry things, and I got the pretzels, and I saw these figs, and they were like perfect. They looked perfect, and somewhere in my mind, I said these figs are gonna suck, right? But I bought them anyways because I was in a hurry. So I get in the car, I eat one of the figs. It's terrible, right? And so I'm just like, oh, this is you know, this is bad. So I drive all the way up there. We get there, I take the, fr- the figs, I'm about to throw them away, I go, nah, I put them in the fridge. About 30 minutes later, she's running across the field with her camera and she's holding something, I can't figure out what she's holding. She gets closer and she goes, ah, I was about to do this um, photo shoot for our um, restoration house, which is like our house for the tired and wired woman. We have like a whole recovery program for tired and wired women. Um, but nice. she's like, I was gonna take, she's like, I was gonna take pictures, but I didn't have any figs. I needed figs. And these figs just appeared in the fridge and they're perfect for pictures. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I do not know why I said to myself, keep these figs, but I did. And that ha- I heard a voice that said, keep the damn figs. And that happens all of the time. It happens all of the time. It's kind of you just, as a guy, you develop an intuitive sense that is kind of, I don't see those benefits in the people. I talk to a lot of guys who do a lot of men's programs, a lot of big guys with man ponytails and big muscles, and they don't have this, so. I thought a man bun gives you that fine level of feeling, right? <laughs> I have another question. I come from a 
Uh, All right, question. Yes, right here. Make sure that I understand the mechanics of this. Yeah. I'm a female. Do you want a demo? No, no, no. I am trained. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know, like, in the most simple basic terms. Basic terms. Is it supposed to be that you're supposed because it's a 15 minute practice? Right. Are you supposed to come to orgasm, like, in the middle of that, at the end of that? Great question. Thank you for asking time? that and clarifying that. Yeah. Super good question. I get that all the time. Because the control thing, like, Totally. So, so here's the thing. Give the question. Yeah. So, so um, is there supposed to be an orgasm during the event, in the middle, the beginning, or maybe even the end? Like, how does it go brass tacks level, right? So, Maya and I, om every day. You know, I would say you climax maybe once out of every thousand ohms, somewhere in that neighborhood, because that's what her body wants to do, right? So we electrify her body, and then it does whatever it wants to do. That's the, the point of the practice. If there, if there were a goal, if there were an aim, it would be, let's find out what your body does naturally with no agenda. And so there's a whole spectrum of not climactic to climactic women. And so you might fall on the very non-climactic side. There's actually a word for that, which is not a non-something. It means that your primary channel, if we look at, um, we have a whole cosmology of this, but that means you're probably, potentially, uh, your orgasm might be like stillness channel, right? And so it's like Masters and Johnson did this research years ago that was basically done on, on guys, right? It was like, okay, here's how it works. You go up, you go over a big peak, you come down, you have a cigarette, it's over, done, right? Nope, actually, if you, if you look at the way a woman's body works, there's between eight and 12 different stages, not just four. They don't follow a linear progression. They actually jump around quite a bit. And the only thing which has to be that you can connect with it is your attention and your willingness. Those are the only things you have in a moment. And so we experience moments that it feels like there's like electricity running through my hand into my body. And then from in a second's notice, it'll, it'll shift to like almost a weighty, flowy sort of downward wave through my body. It's constantly changing. And there's no point to climax or not climax. If you do climax, great. Guys actually learn how to handle your genitals after you climax, which pretty much none of them know how to do. There is life after climax, right? Mm-hmm. Just hold your finger, one spot. And then if you, do, if you don't climax, that's great too. They're all, climax fits, it's like a Russian doll inside of orgasm. Interested in the meditation aspect yeah. of it. Like, like how is it meditation in that yeah, sense? Like, yeah, like, great question. It'd be good if, it'd Speak be, to that. It'd be good if it would like hold it down for a while so you could meditate. Or well, but here's the thing. So, so a meditation is 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 um, an exercise we do to get present, right? Yeah. It's it's a it's a, um, a, a you might call it a, a practice, a, an experiential inquiry into what's happening right now, right? So the practice is because it is quite difficult for me. Have, do you meditate ever? Yeah. Okay. You know that right? But here's the thing. But you judge. But you judge. You judge that your meditation practice based on the fact that your mind wanders. Yeah. Right. Any classical school of meditation worth its salt would say that you're doing it right. Right. But it's your habit of saying I'm a piece of shit that would tell you that you're doing it wrong and that you shouldn't even try because you're so terrible at it, right. right? And so imagine that times about 100, right? 
That's the resistance in some cases to doing this practice. But this is the place in both of our lives that we need positive reflection the most, right? We, we actually really need it. So the meditation is, I've got my finger, this is a clitoris, I've got my finger on this clitoris, I'm stroking it very gently. Here, everyone take your left hand, your left index finger, close your left eyelid, and stroke the surface of your left eyelid just like, just so you can feel the surface of your finger on the eyelid. You're doing that pretty soft, right? That's about the pressure you're using to stroke in this practice. Very light, very subtle, because it's 8,000 nerve endings in this head of an eraser. It's a real tight spot, right? You guys, I have to tell you guys, right? So the meditation is, um, I've got a woman's genitals in front of me, and my mind, just like I'm a meditator, my mind's constantly wandering. I got crazy monkey mind going on in here, right? I'm thinking about what am I doing today? I'm thinking about, am I gonna make money? Am I thinking about all these things, right? And then my finger's down here and I can feel something. And every time my mind goes away from this sensation right here, right now, the only thing I need to do is say, thank you, and then come back to what I'm feeling. And then my mind runs away again, thank you. And I come back to what I'm feeling over and over and over. And you do the same thing from your side. You're lying there. There's nothing to do. There's no performance to create. There's no romance to reinforce, even with your partner, right? There's, you're not doing anything except for receiving, which is actually quite a bit when you learn how to do it. So you're receiving and your mind will wander. Am I doing this right? Even though there's nothing I'm supposed to be doing right. Am I doing this right, right? Is he going to yada yada? Is he having a good time, right? There's a thousand places a woman's mind goes during this practice. Your only job, the only way this works is when you notice your mind's wandering, just go, thank you. I'm gonna come back to my clitoris now. Okay, I get that, but I don't know. I mean, for most women, I think when that is like being touched or whatever, there's usually somewhere else you wanna go after that. Like, isn't it? Does it not get frustrating for uh, Right? <laughs> Great question. I mean, My favorite audience participant right here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Frustrating in a sense that you'd want to have sex. Yeah, I mean, that's usually like, yes. I, and if, if I'm kind of like maybe close to... Sure. And then the 15 minute... Yeah, what if it goes off, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would make me happy. Well, hopefully it does. Because, because most of the time, and this is something which like guys don't get either, for the most part, we've only learned how to have sex to blow off steam. If I told you that there was a way that you could almost mill that energy, the same way that you would mill flour and refine it and make it, because what's making you want to do that most more than likely is that you've just had a whole bunch of you know, uh, sensation jammed into your body, freed up, right? And then you, you want it gone. It's uncomfortable to sit with that much electricity running yes. through you, right? This is a couple fold. One, guys have absolutely no idea that your body is a Ferrari and not a Volkswagen, right? <laughs> and so they don't park it very well, right? And so, and so what's required, what's one of the, the just wide sweeping things is you don't know how to ground your woman. So when we, when we do this practice, there's a whole coming down aspect of it that gets you all the way back in your body. So that, and like actually gets the blood out of your genitals in a way that you just feel like electric. Like that whole like, oh, I've got low energy. That's a thing of the past. This is like 
all of a sudden I have energy to do whatever I want to do with it. I can, do you, are you a creative person? Yeah. Okay, so um, your muse on overdrive, right? I can use this for creativity. I can use this for all the things in my life that I feel like I don't have the energy for, right? And if I want to have sex with it, great. Just don't have it that sex attaches itself to your practice. Because okay. what will end up happening is your partner will say, do you want to have an ohm? And there will be days when you don't, but you do want to feel connected to them. And so you'll, your mind will associate, uh, if we own, then we have sex, no thank you, right? This is a way, like when Maya and I are fighting, when we're like, you know, she's sure she wants to kill me, divorce me, kick me across the room, throw all my things out the, out, you know, she's Italian, so it's, you know, the sky's the limit, right? <laughs> so it's like, it's like, I can say like, um, you know, I can say like, lay down. And she knows, she knows that if we get connected in the spot, it's gonna be way better than if we're not. So even when you guys are fighting? Especially when we're wow. fighting. Especially, cool. lay down, I'm, I'm gonna, we're gonna have an ohm, right? And she's like, and she's like <laughs> right? And then, but, the, but here's the thing, up until that moment when my finger goes down, she's like, I fucking hate your guts, I fucking hate your guts, you rat asshole, blah, 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 blah. And then my finger goes, my finger goes on her clit and she's like, thank fucking okay. God. So how is this different <laughs> from having sex? Like, how is it different? Because like, yeah. my husband is Italian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, he can drive me crazy. Yeah. Whatever we can, yeah. And we'll have sex and then everything will be better. Right. <laughs> So how is that different, like, from just... Yeah, well, so so part of the reason why, and, and this is like, there's a whole, we teach a whole seven-month coaching, six-month coaching program that goes into all this, but the short version is um, that the reason a lot of couples fight is because the energy that b between you and a person spikes out of the range in which you can stay conscious. Mm -hmm. So most fights are about nothing. And so the purpose of most fights is to use enough energy that it brings you back into a, a, a range of which you're conscious again. And then it's like, oh my God, I can see you, hello, it's you again, right? Not Satan, right? It's you, right? And, and it's just because the energy spiked really high, right? That's, that's normal part of being human, but we have context, we don't have any training around this stuff, right? And so you're usually having sex to reduce the energy that you feel, not to gain it. Okay, so, so sex tends to be a debit, ohm is a credit. Okay. I just, I just realized another part of that too, and this is definitely a guy thing, I don't know if women experience this, but say- This is an expensive workshop say, we're doing. Here. Say, we're in a, say we're in a, a, a relationship, right? I'm man, you're woman, yeah. and you get fucking pissed off. I'm what, the woman? Yeah, great. What happens in my brain when I get emotional is I literally like cannot think. All rationality goes out, and my brain just turns into fucking silly putty. Right. And then I'm unable to like make that connection again. The connection gets lost because right. I'm in this fight or flight, limbic yeah. whole disconnection kind of weird thing. That's because so. you think you have to do something. I have to fix it. Right. And this feeling is too uncomfortable when there's conflict. It's right. Like, no, no, no. Okay, how do we fix this yeah. shit? Right. That's, that's and usually the fixing makes it worse, right? right. Well, and here's, here's the thing though, right? We, we only, the only reason that, that we go to fixing is we don't, we don't know how to turn you on. Fixing is just compensatory for a skill of, of turning her on. The same thing happens when you approach a woman at a bar. 
you, you get closer to her and, and you can feel there's a field, right? And the closer you get, you're like, all right, all right, I got this thing. All right, yeah, yeah, all right, this is gonna be great. I know exactly what I'm doing. And then you go like, <laughs> by the time you get here, it's like, hey. right? It's like, because you can't, you can't do it from the same part of your brain yeah. that would fix, that would do anything cerebral. Yeah. That's a biological test. Can you make it in your body enough right now to penetrate this thing? Nice. It's the only way it's going to work is if, you're, if, is if your, your map is coming from what you're feeling, not what you're from your thinking, which is a you know, gross oversimplification, but still true. Awesome. All right, we got to shut this shit down. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, someone says no, but... It, we, are, uh, we are out of time, unfortunately, but I want to leave a little time so that we can kind of mingle and hang out. Yeah, with we'll people, stay here for a little while. You know, that are still here. But, dude, I'm so glad that you were able to join me tonight. This was great. I, I I'm really so happy to have been here. It's such a fun way to share some time with people, some of whom I know and some I don't, and also to kind of do a recheck-in on this whole topic yeah. on the podcast. You yeah. Know, because since... We've had that talk and I've had some experience. I've often wondered, I need to hook up with Eli again. And I've seen you, but yeah. it hasn't been appropriate to sit down. Hey, let's talk about this for an hour and right. a half. So it's really cool to kind of uh, reintegrate and re-explore this from a totally different perspective of being a completely different person than I mm. was uh, a couple years ago. So thank you so much for the update. And thank for, you, Luke. It's a pleasure yeah. being here. Give Eli a hand, you guys. Damn, that was pretty raw and real, wasn't it? Uh, sometimes, you know, when I record these live events, things get a little bit wacky and uh, and intimate and vulnerable. And every time I put one of these out, I swear to God, I'm listening back to bits of it going, I don't think I should put this out. That <laughs> feel like everyone's being way too personal. And then when I do and I ignore that fear that I have, I inevitably get feedback from people, whether that be in one of those very appreciated ratings or reviews or an email or a comment on social media from listeners who say, thank you so much for the realness, for the authenticity, for giving me the power and permission to be myself and to be free and to have open and honest dialogue about some of these deeper elements of the human experience. And in this case, that would be orgasm and sexuality. I personally think it's very healthy to talk about these things now, to talk about them in a vastly public way, I, I'm not sure. That's why I warn you to keep the kids out of the car for this particular episode. But I think if you are uh, an adult and you have an open mind, can't be anything uh, but good to keep the shame out of our sexuality and intimacy and for, for each of us to open up about our own experience. And that's why I love Eli Block, man. He's unapologetic about his perspective. And I'd like to remind you that this is just his perspective. Whenever I do a racy episode like this, I, I get... Um, Every once in a while, some comments about the political correctness or lack thereof of the guest or the episode in general. And um, you have to remember that when I have guests on the show, I'm giving them a platform to talk about what they want to talk about. And I'm asking them questions about their area of expertise or their perspective on the world or a very niche topic. So I might have someone on who is into a vegan lifestyle and I'm going to find out about that. I might have someone come on that has a perspective about um, eating nothing but animals and they're, they're on a uh, carnivore diet like my brother Andy is currently. And, uh, you know, then I have people talking about the virtues of monogamy and you know not having sex with multiple pe people. And I have other people talk about being sex positive and banging everything that moves. So uh, this show is definitely not about being politically correct. It's about 
allowing different voices to have a platform and express their humanity freely. And so I trust that if you made it through this episode and you're at the end, that you're one of those people that enjoys that sort of expression. So I want to thank you for your courage to face some of these things on an ongoing basis. And, uh, you know, let me know in, in those reviews that you leave in iTunes, what you want to hear more of. Do you want more spirituality? Do you want more relationship and sex content? Do you want more biohacking and health? Let me know what you enjoy about the show and what you want to hear more of. And I will do my best to fulfill that obligation. So thank you for listening. Uh, speaking of thank yous, I would also like to thank today's sponsors. You know, without our sponsors, man, I'm going to tell you, this show would not be possible. I just don't have that kind of scratch, man. I can't, I can't fund this show on my own. So it's really wonderful now after two years to have some sponsors that really believe in the show and to have you audience members that trust in me and trust in the brands that I represent that you go spend your hard-earned money with them and get great products. So I'd like to thank Athletic Greens. You can go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Luke. They just sent me some of their little travel packs and I've been putting one of those every morning in my morning kind of green elixir. I make this really insane morning drink. It's beyond next level. And the organic, or I'm sorry, the athletic greens, Organifi I'm getting to next. That's what I drink at night. Actually, you know what? Today I put, I put Organifi greens and athletic greens both in my morning drink. So I just wanted to keep it real. But the athletic greens taste really good. So I make these really nasty, like kind of green smoothies in the morning, just with a bunch of herbs and things like that. There's not really food in it per se. And athletic greens has this really kind of nice berry vanilla sort of flavor. And it's the only thing that salvages my nasty morning drink. So if you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Luke, you will get 20 free travel packs, just like the one I used the, uh, this morning, valued at 99 bucks with your first purchase. So you can find that there. And then last but not least, let's thank my friends over at Organifi. You can go to Organifi with an I.com forward slash Luke, Organifi.com forward slash Luke. If you enter the code lifestylist over on that website, you're going to save 20%. And Organifi has tons of different products. You know, I always push their gold because it's just the most chronic substance ever. And I love making, you know, like golden lattes and things like that out of it. I put it in a lot of my kind of dessert type smoothies and drinks and my keto-friendly uh, things that I make without sugar. And Organifi Gold is delicious, hot, cold. It's amazing. But they also, of course, have like their staple product, which is their green powder and then probiotics. And they have a plant-based protein and all kinds of stuff over there. So their suite of products is growing as we speak. So thanks to Athletic Greens and Organifi Gold. And more than anything, my friends, thank you so much for joining me. Make sure to tune in next Tuesday with Brian Hoyer, where we teach you everything you could ever want to know about the dangers of EMFs and how to protect yourself. See you Tuesday. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net.